welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast, downloaded half a million times in over 145 countries, and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. Hello, everyone. In today's episode, episode 182, we go through a day in the life of a long-distance hiker. Before we get into today's episode, if you would like to help support Australian Hiker, and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, subscribe on your podcast host of choice, so each episode is available as soon as it's published, and if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review on your podcast listening service. Another way to support us, if you like what we do, is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the support us page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue to produce this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. Now, I'm a bit obsessive about some things, and one of those is information. I often find myself thinking about every aspect of hiking, some obvious like logistical considerations, as well as some not-so-structured aspects, including what does a typical hiking day look like. I must admit I have been asked from time to time what my typical hiking day looks like, and I thought this was a good opportunity to go through that. I find that shorter hikes that aren't overly long or complex just tend to happen, and in most cases I typically finish it around lunchtime to avoid the heat of the day, even if it happens to be wintertime. However, when I start thinking about long-distance hikes over multiple days, I am very much a creature of habit, and my days in most cases tend to blur. Regardless of the changes to the environment, they all tend to look the same. In this podcast, we look at a typical day on a multi-day hike and break it down from waking up at the start of the day to going to sleep at the day's end. While the overall structure of a day will be similar for everyone, the specifics will be unique to each of us. We hope you enjoy. Now, just before we start about what my long-distance hiking looks like, we need to provide a bit of context about what the things I do or look for in a day's hike uh, when I am doing long-distance hiking. Firstly, I like to average around about 32 kilometres a day, and this is purely an arbitrary figure. Uh, It's come out of my uh, love of and desire to do long-distance hiking on some of the US long trails, uh, where... A 20-mile day, which is 32.2 kilometres, is considered to be a good daily average. My daily range varies between 20 to 45 kilometres, depending on how I feel and the terrain. I also work on an average walking pace of 3.75 kilometres per hour, and I've worked this out over a period of years. Now, sometimes this might be slower, sometimes faster, Uh, but this average also includes meal and rest breaks, uh, and this average speed works well for me. And the last thing I also like to do is have a rest day approximately every six to seven days. Uh, Now, this is for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it allows me to recover from six or seven long days uh, of hiking, uh, but it also allows me to produce a podcast on trail particularly where the internet signal allows. Now we'll look at a typical day 
starting from waking up in the morning. Now, from my perspective, I tend to be an early to bed, early to rise sort of guy. Now, my usual wake up time in the real world is around about five o'clock. And in most cases, it tends to be a bit earlier than that. Uh, Much earlier than that. Let me tell you, the other day it was about a quarter past four, half past four, and he's off to the gym of all things. Who, who, Who does that? So, you know, for me, sleeping past 5 a.m. really is a bit of a luxury. So on trial, um, I tend to aim for, uh, I won't say a wake up, but a time to get up and start moving at it, which is around about 5.30 a.m. Now, I am conscious, particularly if I am camping uh, near other people, to keep things fairly quiet. But in most cases, uh, it's not that common that that's the case. And to give you an indication, when I did the uh, Bibbleman track in 2018, I worked it out that over a period of around about 35, 36 days, I spent a maximum of about seven hours talking to people. And that included my wife, Jill, on the, the occasional times when I could get phone signal. When I wake up this sort of early, I'll tend to just sit up in bed. Um, I'll put on my stove Uh, because I like to start the day with a a hot cup of tea. Um, I eat breakfast, and breakfast for me is uncooked. Um, So it'll either be a a bag, a plastic bag of uh, wheat bix or all bran or some other sort of cereal uh, uh, with milk powder, uh, and all I need to do is just add water and eat. Or if it is something like um, overnight oats, um, I've pre-soaked that the night before and I just get up and start eating. So I, I like to add just a little bit of warm water to my wheat bix or my cereal and my powdered milk um, that just makes it just a little bit more appetising. <laughs> Not too much, otherwise you can't hold it. <laughs> and certainly if I am having cereal, um, you know, if, while I'm boiling a cup of t- uh, water for a cup of tea, it's just as easy to boil you know, another half a cup uh, just to add into the milk powder and the cereal, uh, to say you've got a bit of a warm breakfast, but really doesn't class as cooking. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> so what I'll do is, um, apart from eating breakfast, um, I'll go through and uh, uh, do some social media. And in many cases, because I'm in areas where I don't have access to the internet or phone, this may mean that I'm, I'm writing up uh, what happened the previous day or what happened overnight um, and getting ready to post. Um, and as soon as the post is available or the internet signal is available, I can just insert the text uh, and press uh, press to go live. Once things have um, gone a bit past sort of six o'clock, I, I feel totally free to start <laughs> making a bit of noise. Uh, and again, I try and keep things as quiet as possible. And waking other people up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these are the ones that have been keeping me awake late at night, so I don't feel too uh, too bad about doing that. Uh, so I'll generally start packing uh, all my gear, uh, and typically I'll start packing inside my tent to start with. Uh, and uh, once I've actually gotten out of the tent, typically I'm up and out. I tend not to get back inside again. So uh, if I am sleeping in a tent... Uh, it's pretty much, uh, once I'm up and out, it's starting to pull the tent down reasonably quickly. The other thing that I tend to do, and this is more so in the first week of the hike, is to tape my feet. And the thing I find here is that it doesn't matter how much 
fitness preparation you've done or how long a distance you can walk. I mean, I can quite comfortably walk 30 kilometers uh, in a training hike before I start walking, but that's just for one day. And once you start doing this on multiple days, this is when your feet start complaining uh, about being sore. So I typically will tape my feet. Uh, and again, the, particularly for the first week, it tends to be from just below my toes all the way up to my heel. Uh, and by the end of it, end of the first week in particular, my, my feet have toughened up and I'll often drop back to just taping the front half of my feet. What do you um, mean the front half? Well, from just below the toes to where the arch starts. Um, it's usually not my heel that tends to be the issue. It tends to be the, the front or the balls of my feet uh, that tend to have the problem. And that takes me uh, around about 20 minutes, uh, even though I've pre-cut uh, a lot of the material, uh, particularly for the first day. Um, it, it does mean that um, uh, you've got to go through and cut and I've got a, a number of layers to do uh, and to get them uh, uh, nice and flat so they don't cause any, uh, any blistering throughout the day. So this is something that um, um, I will do one way or the other almost throughout the entire trip, but the extent that I do it will vary, and that, that is a time-consuming process for me in the morning. Just before I start walking, uh, I will activate my Garmin inReach, uh, and that will connect in through the satellite system, which allows me to start logging the day's walking uh, and also to send a message to Jill saying I'm up and about if I can't get any any phone signal and I'm just about to start walking. Yeah, and I must admit, I do I do wait for that moment uh, when I get that message that uh, you, you're safe, you're still alive <laughs> and, and you're about to move on. I aim for starting to walk on just about any hike I do at around about 7.30. Uh, and I know that it takes me from uh, a number of years of doing this that it takes me around about 90 minutes to prepare in the morning. Having said that, I don't know why, but I just seem to dawdle in the morning. So even though I plan to start walking at 7.30, it's not unusual that I don't start walking until 20 minutes later, so about 7.50. If I start planning on walking at 8 o'clock, I'll leave at 8.20. And it's just something that I always tend to do, and I know this, uh, but I just can't seem to get it into place. Uh, I, you know, I'm just not a quick race and throw everything in my bag and go, uh, but sometimes, you know, as much as I, I would like to do that, I just tend to hang around. It's really funny when you that you say that because um, when we're at home, um, there is, I get this sense of, very much of um, it's time to go and then I look up and you're gone. Um, so, yeah, that firstly taking 90 minutes and then always, you know, taking an extra 20 minutes on top of your 90 minutes, that that is just not how you are at home. No. I mean, I, I mean ideally if I got up and did everything uh, quickly and efficiently and, and didn't sort of dawdle, I could very comfortably get out of there by 7.30 if not earlier, but I just don't. I do get into the zone very quickly in the mornings and I am, I am a morning person uh, and I'll power along quite well. And what I do find is even though I said I've, I try and average 3.75 kilometres per hour, it's not a, an even sort of uh, walking pace. I tend to walk faster in the mornings, uh, and usually because it's cooler, uh, I tend to work better when it's colder weather than it is hotter weather. 
so it's not unusual, depending on the terrain, for me to be walking between four and five kilometers an hour. Now, morning tea for me is 9.30, and that's approximately two hours after I start. But again, this is one of these things where I'm a bit of a creature of habit. It doesn't matter what time I start walking, I will always start having morning tea at around 9.30. I can, without fail, even if I don't look at my watch, I know when it's 9.30 because my hunger's got to the stage where I feel I need something to eat. So, you know, my breakfast is still powering me along, uh, but I'm finding that, okay, I've used a bit of energy. I need something sweet, typically, uh, and something that uh, uh, is just to take the edge off my uh, my energy use. Now, we're obviously talking about you doing solo hiking here, and um, the difference when we're hiking together is that um, you still have that kind of 9.30, need some food, um, whereas I'm not particularly you know, hungry by that stage. So um, my my morning tea is 10 o'clock. And typically it's not a big amount of food. Um, you know, I, I tend to, and I'll talk about this a bit more in a minute, I tend to be eating on the hour, every hour, small amounts. Stopping-wise, and again, I will stop at 9.30 and have a roughly 15-minute break. And, I, and, I, and it's... While I'm happy to snack as I'm walking, I do like to just stop and sit. Uh, and again, I'm very much a creature of habit that I like to sit on a log that's around about uh, chair height and in most cases in sem- in semi-shade. Unless it's a really cold day um, uh, or it's a cloudy day, I, I just like to, a bit of semi-shade. I'll always sit in the sun. <laughs> That makes it hard when we're trying to get things, get something for both of us. Does that reflect our personalities? Too? I think so. <laughs> so I start, you know, so as I'm approaching 9:30, I start looking for an appropriate sitting log, um, and failing that, I will sit on a flat rock. Failing that, I'll, I'll sit on a raised piece of soil on the edge of the trail, but that relies on having dry conditions, and it's not always the best thing early in the morning. Now this is going to sound. Um, you know, but the exercise of finding the right log or the right rock to sit on is something to be believed. Let me tell you, it's it's just this. It's like no, it's not. It's too high. No, too low. Not quite enough shade. Too much sun. Too, you know, too much shade. Yeah, and this, and this is <laughs> this is a really hard to do in arid Australia. So on the on the Larapinta Trail, it's almost impossible. There are there are shelters along the way, so that's fine. But typically, there aren't logs you can sit on. So uh, it, it's a matter of sitting on a rock yeah. in that situation. Where where I'll I'll just sit on my haunches if I have to. <laughs> the other thing we'll do at morning tea is. If I've gotten up, and typically I'm getting up before the, the sun's hit my tent in most cases, uh, which means the fly on my tent tends to be damp. Uh, so if the, the conditions are good, I've got somewhere to hang it, I'll hang my fly up just to get a bit of excess water off and help dry it out. So I'm back walking again around about 9.45, and I'll continue walking through to around about 12 to 12.30. As I said, I am a bit of a morning person, uh, and I will typically walk much faster in the morning than I will in the afternoon. Um, and 
typically from a morning perspective, I'm walking for roughly about five hours. So in most cases, that's the majority of my uh, uh, my walking time. Um, and I would typically find, again, this all depends on the terrain, that I've walked somewhere between about 17 to 20 kilometres uh, by lunchtime, uh, which is more than half my day's goal. For lunch, I will usually take around about 20 to 30 minutes. Um, and I am not so rigid on the timing here. Typically, I will have lunch anywhere between probably 10 to 12 till around about 12.30, even quarter to one in some cases. Um, and it's rare that I'll ever take longer than 20, 20 to 30 minutes. Um, again, I'm looking for that lovely sitting log. Uh, but in this case here, from around about 10 to 12 onwards, I'm starting to look for that log. And it gives me about 40 minutes to find one. Not always possible. Uh, and in fact, the image that was in this podcast that was taken on the human hovel track, uh, we basically sat on a, a flat set of rocks, which worked out quite well. Now, again, during lunchtime, I'll use this time to dry my tent out if need be. If the conditions are right and it's not grassy and snaking looking area, I'll often take my shoes and socks off and air them a bit. Um, and um, um, I'll try and catch up on social media if the opportunity arises. For me, lunch tends to be a cold lunch. I, I don't like having hot lunches uh, when I'm solo hiking. Um, I prefer to either have uh, a cold-soaked meal. I will sit there with a jar of peanut butter and eat five or six spoons of peanut butter, and it's amazing how much calories you can actually get out of peanut butter. Uh, I'll rehydrate uh, dip uh, and have it with a piece of flatbread. Uh, but again, normally 30 minutes max is, is all I really tend to need. Yeah, even when we're together, we don't tend to do hot lunches or warm lunches. It's a similar type of lunch that, to what you've uh, described. Now, so I'm normally starting roughly walking from the afternoon at around 12.30, depending on when I've, uh, when I've stopped for lunch. Uh, and I do tend to slow down compared to the morning uh, in the afternoon. Uh, but I think it's partly a psychological thing. I know I've gone past my halfway mark. I, I, you know, psychologically, I don't feel like I need to work, walk as fast. Um, but it really depends, um, again, on a number of factors. I suppose the comment I'd make here is... The normal recommendations on a long-distance hike is you have an easy first day. And from my perspective, my first day often tends to be one of my biggest days. Uh, on the Bibbulmun track, it was 38 kilometres, uh, and that was my second or third biggest day on that whole trip. And it was just because partly I was in the zone and I just wanted to keep on going. I ended up finished getting to my campsite earlier than planned and thought this is too early to stop and decided to push on to the next campsite. Uh, and that ended up making a reasonably long day. And in fact, my first day on the Bibbulmun track uh, was uh, around about nine and a half hours. And as I said, 38 kilometres. My second day uh, for me always tends to be a bit of a struggle, uh, mainly because of my first day. Uh, and I'll often end up doing a shorter second day rather than a shorter first day. In the afternoon, I, I just like setting up camp and cooking my dinner when it is still light. 
Uh, it's just easier. It means you're less likely to lose things. It's easier to find a location to see if there's any sticks under where you're about to put your tent. So I will usually stop hiking at around about 4.30 p.m. at the latest. Um, but So this means that around about 3.45 onwards, I'm starting to look for a campsite. Does that change during daylight savings when you're hiking by yourself? Uh, not really, because in most cases, my preferred hiking time tends to be um, in the cooler months of the year. If I've got an option, um, and, and it's not always the case, but if I've got an option, I prefer to hike, um, particularly in the hotter climates or the more arid climates, um, I'm hiking around about July uh, or maybe very early August. Um, the If I tried to do that on the Australian Alps walking track, I'd be hiking through snow. Uh, so that's a different sort of timing there, and that may have an impact. We're also looking at doing um, uh, a long hike in Tasmania this year, uh, and around about in around about the Christmas period. And being where it is, and being daylight savings, um, it's likely to mean that you know, the sun won't set till relatively late into the evening. So potentially, you could end up walking much longer than that. Uh, but at some point. You've got to decide to stop, and for me, it's typically that 4.30 period. I typically don't stop for a break in the afternoon uh, unless it's been a really demanding day. Uh, but again, I will snack, and as I said, I'll talk about that more in a moment. I just have this psychological thing of just wanting to get on with it, and because the day tends to be shorter in the afternoon time-wise as well as distance-wise, um, I just don't feel the need to stop. I'm not sure that there's a lot of logic in that, but... <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's not, and I, and I think that's part of the thing. Um, it, it's not always about logic. Sometimes it's purely psychological, and for whatever reason, it just works. Now, setting up camp. So as I said, I'm setting up camp right by, or stopping to set up camp by around about 4.30. So the very first thing I do is identify a campsite, uh, and what that means for me is relatively flat, um, both across the tent and from head to toe. Um, and I look for things like a, a clear ground where I'm not going to damage the environment. I make sure that I'm not I'm camping under branches that are likely to fall on top of me at night time. Um, I get all my gear uh, into the tent. Uh, and at the same sort of time, I'll have a protein drink. Uh, because usually the recommendation from any any um, uh, exercise is that you have protein within around about 20 minutes to a half an hour of finishing the exercise. So typically I'll, uh, as I'm unpacking my uh, my pack, I'll get my protein drink out uh, and um, get that uh, get water into that and have that at the same time I'm setting up my tent for the night. I'll also fill up my water bladder. Uh, again, it's easier to do during the daytime. Uh, when it's still light, you can see it's there. Um, if I'm not staying at a designated tent site or or camping shelter where there's no toilet and I'm using a cat hole, I'll usually dig my cat hole again while it's still light. Um, I prefer to do this <laughs> before it's urgent. Uh, nothing worse than when you've got to go and you've got to start digging a hole. Um, it's much easier to have the hole pre-dug. Uh, and a good example of this is the Larapinta Trail. The soil is so rocky, uh, we found that it usually took about around about 20 minutes to dig a cat hole. Uh, and the last thing you wanted to be doing is needing to go in the morning uh, or the evening for that matter and having to having to dig uh, when you, you desperately need to go. 
Yeah, yeah. So anticipate and don't don't be there digging and holding on. That's not good. <laughs> I'm also an early dinner eater. Um, I uh, I really I think this is a, probably a bit of a hangover from going to boarding school uh, as a child, uh, where we ate dinner at quarter to six. Um, e- e- even when I was at home, dinner time was relatively early. It was usually between. 5.30 and 6, maybe 6.15 at the latest. So we've always been early dinner eaters. Uh, so if I'm cooking uh, and wanting to uh, get food into me, I prefer to do it earlier and then allow myself a bit of a break before uh, I have to go to sleep and allow the food to settle a bit. Because of what I do, I also do social media and blogging catch-up uh, and quite often it involves on writing up what's happened for the day. I'll hang my food if need be. Uh, now, I'll give you a couple of examples here. On the uh, Bibbleman track, uh, you're typically staying in shelters or you might be staying at the campsites outside the shelters. And there are native uh, rodents um, uh, and the occasional possum that will come and go, go hunting for the food. Um, so you need to hang the food in a, in a way that is not climbable for the native rodents. So putting it on a tree branch next to the trunk of a tree doesn't work so well. Uh, but these shelters in the, um, on the Bibbleman track have these lovely metal roof supports that are metal bars. Uh, so I tend to hang my food bag from those, which means that um, it's, it's not an issue. Yeah, when we were on the overland track, uh, we did have possums coming along, um, poking paws up. Uh, through the uh, tent platforms uh, trying to get out at your food from underneath your tent, which was kind of interesting. It it does scare the life out of you when you haven't quite worked out what's going on yet. Yeah, uh, we'd actually – there was nowhere to safely hang the food outside, so we we put the food in a a closed-off bag inside the bottom of our tent. And as Jill said, we could feel this paw reaching up trying to get the food through the bottom of the tent. And when we talked to people the next day, this possum worked its way along all the campsites doing very similar things, trying to get into people's food. So it's, um, it's a bit harder with possums to hide because they can climb trees quite comfortably, uh, but it's something you need to be consider depending on where you are. I will also get my next day's food pack um, in an easy-to-reach location. So typically I'll tend to carry anywhere up to about 8 to 10 days' worth of food, um, and I don't necessarily pack them in order. I just pack what tends to fit. So at the end of the day, I'll get the food pack out uh, so it's easy to access, which has got my breakfast for the next day, my snacks for the next day, so I can get that sorted out fairly easy. Uh, and when I go, when it, t- when it comes time to repacking my pack, the other stuff can just go in. If I'm having overnight oats for breakfast, I'll then soak them ready for the next morning. Um, and if the weather's warm, I'll wash socks and underwear. Uh, but if it's freezing cold, middle of winter, I tend to leave that to uh, either a town day or a rest day. I'll also have a daily wash. Um, and That's you, good to hear. It is good to hear. <laughs> Uh, and I do have a washing process which I've developed over the years. Uh, so if you go to the written version of this uh, and have a look at um, the link to bathing on the trail routine, it'll give you an idea of what's involved. I'll charge any electronics that need be, and this usually tends to be 
Um, not for the first few days. I can normally get around about um, three to four days, maybe five days out of my mobile phone because it doesn't go on that often. Uh, my iPad will usually last me a week quite comfortably. Uh, my Garmin inReach will last uh, eight days quite comfortably. Uh, and my camera will also last seven days. So particularly for the first seven days of the hike, there's not a lot of charging. But as the hike goes on, uh, this becomes more regular. I'll also send a message to Jill uh, on my Garmin inReach just to let her know where I am that I'm, I've stopped for the night. Now, satellite communications devices aren't 100% guaranteed, uh, and I have had one location where I set up tent for the night. Uh, because of the way the, we the weather came in unexpectedly, I needed to camp unexpectedly in an area I wasn't planning on. It was at the bottom of a gully in a heavily treed area, uh, and it was it was raining heavily. Uh, so uh, the satellite just wasn't working. Mind you, I walked up the hill 150 metres the next day <laughs> and immediately got satellite signal, which means that the, the message that I had tried to send automatically sent, uh, and then I just stopped for a few minutes and just uh, let Jill know that what had happened. Yeah, I was in a meeting at the time. It was probably about... 10.30 in the morning my time and uh, I hadn't heard from you since the day before and um, uh, I, I had to apologise to people in the meeting saying that I was waiting for a message and and everybody was very excited when the, the several messages started to come through. So it, was, it worked out okay. Now, bedtime, and for me that's probably around about 7 o'clock at the latest and this is another reason that I like hiking during winter because typically it's dark by, in most cases, by about six. Uh, so going to bed at seven o'clock doesn't seem so strange. Hiking in the middle of summer when it's still light until 7.38, um, it, it's a bit odd. So as I said, I'm an early to bed, early to rise sort of person. So um, more often than not, when I'm camping by myself, I'll be in my sleeping bag around 7 p.m. Now, this doesn't mean that I get 10 and a half hours sleep until the next morning. Uh, because I usually operate on about six hours sleep a day in most cases. Um, but what it does mean, I tend to get fairly fitful sleeps when I'm camping. So overall, I'll get a full night's sleep. Uh, and if I've gone to bed at seven o'clock, I tend to be well and truly wide awake by sort of three o'clock. And I'll just have to lie there <laughs> trying to get back to sleep until it's sort of 5.30 in the next morning. If it's a really cold night uh, or I've gotten really dirty during the daytime, I'll take off the dirty clothing um, and get into my sleeping bag with my clean clothes. Uh, or if it's a warm night, I'll tend to strip off just to my uh, uh, my underpants um, inside a, a sleeping bag liner. Um, but in most cases, um, I've geared myself to sleeping pretty much fully clothed. There's a lot of very personal information here that is sharing now, Tim. And that's pretty much it for my typical sort of day. Now, there are a few other things that don't quite fit into standard timings that I do across a typical day. So as I mentioned, I will eat every hour on the hour. Um, and this is to prevent what the Americans class as bonking, when you just run out of steam and just all of a sudden things come to a grinding halt from an energy perspective. I've only ever had this happen twice. The first time I had to think about what was going on and I realised 
I hadn't actually eaten since uh, since breakfast, and it was getting uh, to eleven thirty, and I hadn't had any food, having having walked twenty seven kilometres. So uh, the second time it happened, I knew that I hadn't eaten, and I thought, oh god, I, I just I don't know why. I just should have known better. Uh, so I make it a habit when I'm doing long distance hiking, I will have small snacks every hour. And this might be some cheese, it might be some nuts, uh, it might be a, a, a muesli bar. Um, uh, and without fail, my first snack of the day is always a, sne- a sesame snap bar. Uh, and this is something I have done for years. Uh, and again, I, I look forward to that. I'll spread the pack over around about 20 minutes. I'll always carry water with me, preferring to cope with the extra weight, only because in most cases, a lot of the areas I'm hiking in, there aren't always reliable water sources. And particularly if I've got a filter, I'd prefer to filter once um, before at camp than having to try and do it through the daytime. I'll monitor navigation as I go, and that either means checking my GPS, checking my uh, my mapping system, or checking the paper maps, whatever is required of the individual trail. I'll also be looking at doing social media posts. And as a blogger, uh, this is something that's probably specific to me as opposed to an average hiker. Uh, I can only post when I have signal. Uh, So I'll uh, record podcasting uh, and I'll try and post social media or check for social media every so often, particularly if I'm approaching a town or reaching a high point on the trail. And usually, uh, in the case of uh, data coverage, I'll have looked at the Telstra coverage maps for where I'm going and to get a good indication of where I'm likely to get signal. If I do find signal, I'll often start for uh, anything up to around about, I'll stop for about half an hour uh, just to do some posts. As I mentioned, I'm often podcasting, so I'll stop and do recordings throughout the day. So anytime I stop or I see something interesting, I'll stop and do a recording. This also relates to um, doing the podcast itself and I'm one of these rare people that if the signal allows, I am recording, editing and posting a, uh, a podcast episode on the trail. Uh, and this includes me being in my tent for anything up to around about three hours, putting the episode together and going through and editing. Uh, and as I said, it's around about a three hour process. And uh, my role is to fall asleep while we're recording <laughs> part the the last bit of the day's podcast, <laughs> and then I wake up in the morning and uh, it's all done. <laughs> One other variation I'd mentioned to this system uh, tends to be that I'm a big fan of hiking at night time. Now the conditions need to be right, uh, and for me, what that means is. Um, it needs to be somewhere where I'm not worried about missing out on some amazing views by hiking at night time. Um, it needs to be safe to do so, uh, and that means I'm not about to fall off a cliff or trip over a, a really badly rocky sort of trail. Uh, and it also needs to have a reasonably full moon. So uh, on a hike, and again, I'll use the Bibbulmun track here as a 36-day hike, uh, I hike for two nights, Um one, because um, I'd, uh, I'd ended up double hutting and going, I ended up stopping at the second night's hut in the first night, first day, and I stopped at around about 6.30. And the other was planned, where I walked during a full moon um, and um, 
that means from a preference perspective, I need to time it when there's a full moon around about five to six at night. So I'd really, it becomes nighttime and the moon's pretty much up. Uh, the last thing I want is to be hiking at three o'clock in the morning. So it tends to limit when I can hike. Or I'll look for hiking when the moon's up late and still nice and bright as it's approaching morning. But certainly the evening is my preferred time. So it's often that I'll only get a chance to hike at night once or twice, uh, and that will extend the day out. Now, just as a final comment here, really this is what we've gone through and described is something that works really well for me. Uh, and every hiker will be different about the sleep that they get when they go to, go to, go to bed it's not unusual for many hikers to sleep in a bit later and to go to bed later. Um, I am typically the first person to leave camp if there are other hikers there. It's not unusual that I'll either won't see people again because I've gone, I'm hiking at a different pace than they are, uh, rather than them, them catching back up to me towards the end of the day. And some people want to do shorter days of hiking, so starting a bit later and finishing a bit earlier and and enjoying the lifestyle of hiking along the way, uh, taking in the scene a little bit more. So, you know, I, I think when you go on a solo hike, it tends to be a little bit of a mission that, you, you know, you're there to do the distance and you're there to um, get from one point to the next. Um, but, you know, others have a different view of, of what hiking's about and what they need to do. But they'll still have their own... Uh, style of hiking they'll have their own routine that they will go through and uh, you, you know they'll shape that as, as they choose and I think you know, certainly I, I agree with Jill in that respect you know it really that is hike your own hike um, you know whatever makes you comfortable and happy um, I think from a long distance through hiking perspective where you've got to carry cover big distances so again I'll, I'll refer back to the Bibbleman track here a lot of people will take 45 to 50 days to do that hike. Um, but for many people, they just don't have the leave. Yeah, they, they, need, they, need, they need to wait until they've retired. Um, or they're unemployed. <laughs> or, or unemployed, yeah. Um, or they've, um, they've come from overseas and they've got the time available. So, you know, it's, it's one of those sort of things that, you know, really your time that you have available may dictate uh, the time you have. And that may require you to cover those sort of distances. And, and that means being efficient at what you do, having some sort of system in place. I'm a big believer in systems, you know, sleep systems, uh, food systems as far as preparing, preparing your meals um, and having you know, a, a clothing system, having everything in place. And that includes having that typical sort of day. And from my perspective, what that does allow me to do is I often tend to go into autopilot when I'm hiking. Um, uh, and, and one of the big reasons I do like solo hiking, and it is a luxury, um, that it allows me to go inside my own head that you just can't do in the world where you're dealing with work, you're dealing with you know, the, the drains blocked up at home, You've got a spouse and kids you need to talk to and interact. You mean need to talk to. Hopefully you want to talk <laughs> to them want to talk too. to, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, when you're on the trail by air, particularly from a solo hiking perspective, um, it is a very different sort of process uh, that having a set pattern that allows you to do. If you're trying to, if you're doing something different every day and every day is not the same, then you have to focus a bit more. I, I think the pattern actually means that it helps you not neglect anything and not forget something. I think that's probably the the, the big benefit of having a pattern or a routine. Yeah, no, def- definitely. And, and you know, I, it, it is really rare. I'm a, and, I, I, and having this pattern, I know exactly how a hike will go. Unless something out of the normal comes up, and that does happen, and you need to, need to be aware of that. But certainly, you know, if, with those rare exceptions, you know that each day is going to look like this and providing you haven't decided to change that or do something different uh, because keeping in mind you have left a detailed plan with someone reliable uh, before you've gone uh, so they know where you're going to be roughly on each day and if you're not you need to let them know somehow yeah so a bit of focus means that you know you can um, at least stick largely to the plan if something comes up you can modify it and um, advise others uh, that you've modified your plan. But um, e- the routine, uh, the pattern, does give you that focus too. And I th- you know, what I've described is me, uh, me averaging roughly 32 kilometres per day, but there's nothing wrong with doing a long-distance trail and averaging 15 to 20 kilometres a day. If you've got the time um, and you, know, you don't have to be anywhere in a hurry, there's nothing wrong with that, but you're still working with the pattern, whatever that happens to be. Yeah, that's right. Okay, we hope you've enjoyed this discussion on what a day looks like for a on a typical long-distance hike. At least for you. <laughs> At least for me. And as I said, it, use it as a guide um, more to try and make you think about what your typical day looks like. Uh, and, and as Jill said, getting that, pat, getting that system in place just tends to make things just that bit easier. Okay, that's all for this week's episode. Bye for now. And bye from me.